This episode is brought to you by Dragons of Dusk and Dawn, a new novel by Aussie author Simon Higgins. Dragons of Dusk and Dawn is a thought-provoking, epic adventure, the exciting story of a remarkable turning point in history that could actually have happened. The TV show Vikings meets Art of War in this action-packed, non-stop adventure. Check it out now at undoredopress.com. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing in acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards one million plays, we'll continue to provide you with conversational, vulnerable, honest and fun chats with your favourite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey and supporting Aussie creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Chris Hammer, leading Australian crime writer, whose first book, Scrublands, was an instant bestseller. I just watched the series, so we're going to talk about that too. Winning the UK Crime Writers Association John Creasy Award for a debut novel. His novels include Trust, Silver, Treasure and Dirt, The Tilt, and the most recent novel, The Seven. Welcome back, Chris. Oh, Danny, so good to be back with you. Me too. I'm so glad that we could do this. I know there was a bit of to and froing, but I really wanted to talk about this and I really wanted to talk about Scrublands on Stan. <laughs> so sure. lots of things to talk about. First of all, do you want to give us an elevator pitch as to what The Seven is about? Well, okay. So The Seven is crime fiction. It's set in a fictional irrigation uh, area in Western New South Wales called Uwundery. And the book starts off, fairly spectacular fashion, a body is discovered, uh, a local accountant. Now, he's a junior member of one of the seven families, the powerful families that have developed and dominate this irrigation scheme, hence the title of the book, The Seven. And so Ivan and Nell, the detectives that are in uh, Treasure and Dirt and The Tilt, are sent to investigate this murder. And the more they investigate, the higher the stakes become. It's uh, there's a threat of violence. There is violence, and it's pretty clear the killer or killers is still out there. And so it's kind of a race against the clock to catch them before they kill again. So, in that regard, it's a pretty typical crime fiction book. But at the same time, we're getting the story of Ivan and Nell. We've got two other storylines, two other narratives interwoven into the book. Uh, both are set in the same area, but in different time frames. So there's the story of Davis. He's a uh, set in 1993. He's a 21-year-old university student, and uh, he's going to he's the heir to one of these fortunes, to one of these seven powerful families. But before then, he's been off at uni, getting a bit of polish, been down at Melbourne. He's doing a history degree and he's invited to do an honours thesis. And so he thinks, well, what, what better subject than the history of this irrigation scheme? So he starts investigating or researching the, the scheme. And lo and behold, he starts uncovering a few skeletons in a few closets. Now, the other story, though, is it goes way back 
to the beginnings of the scheme and it's told through the letters of a young 15 year old domestic servant girl and uh, most of the letters she's writing to her mother uh, so this is the first one is in uh, 1913 so it's the years leading up to and during the first world war so at first there's no obvious connection between these three storylines except for the location but as a story as the book unfolds <clears throat> the reader starts discovering or uncovering more and more connections between the three timelines until by the end of the book it's almost like the fate of the characters sort of collide together so there's kind of there's a mystery in the present day but there's mysteries in the past as well and they're all kind of connected together or maybe not <laughs> don't know no giveaways uh no spoilers alerts so yeah but i like i like how you've got the sort of if you like parallel stories and they all sort of then come together in the end because you're expecting that you know you're expecting that kind of how is this all going to all fall into place? And I wanted to ask you about Ivan and Nell because they're return characters and, you know, you have to do character arcs within each novel, but then you have to do character arcs within, you know, a series of novels as well. So how do you go about doing that in your writing process? Well, I'm not a great planner and I find it hard to plan a single book, let alone multiple books. But what I do like with my characters, my um investigators what i like to do with them whether that's martin scarsden in the in the first three books or whether it's ivan and nell in, in the last three books is for them to have skin in the game so they're not just these hands-off objective uh investigators it's not just their day job uh they're involved emotionally what they learn has an impact on them uh, but also there's a personal storylines there this is really evident in the in the preceding book the tilt which uh the present day story there is told through nell's from nell's perspective and that involves members of her family she begins to suspect members of her own family implicated in a series of murders so she's really affected this time around uh, nell is very present in this book but current day perspective is told from Ivan's point of view. Uh, they've both got skin in the game. There's an emotional story involving um, Ivan's past and his father. It's not a central part of the book, but it's there. And it affects, it affects him. And more importantly, it affects his judgment and, uh, and how he goes about investigating the case. And, um, he makes a, a rather dramatic error at one point. Um, better not take it any further. <laughs> better not. Better not take it any further. And it's not only crime in the seven, but it's political intrigue and con artists and money laundering and organised crime. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you um, how do you research all that stuff? I'm assuming you're not money laundering, Chris. <laughs> well i wish but you know <laughs> watched a bit of ozark got some tips <laughs> um i was a journalist for 30 years and i covered some of these subjects in my career as a journalism so there's one there's some issues in the background and you can read the book purely as an entertainment as a mystery but there's a few issues there ongoing issues 
that in a one way just helped make the book become more topical. So it's addressing some of the issues that are alive at the moment. So one is water trading, which is an issue for irrigation farmers. Essentially, all you need to know there is um, every irrigation farmer thinks the people upstream are thieves, <laughs> the people downstream are whingers. Um, <laughs> the, other thing, the other thing, though, that they all believe is that they pay too much for their water because water is bought and sold on an open market and they believe it's been manipulated by hedge funds and screen jockeys and speculators and whatnot. So it's a ripe issue. And I know about that because one I used to cover when the Murray-Darling Basin Plan was first uncovered by the Rudd government, I was reporting on the environment for the Age newspaper. And later on, I wrote a book, a non-fiction book all about the river system. So I knew about that. Another issue there is in the book, just in the background is political donations. About 40% of donations to politicians and political parties in Australia are completely opaque. We don't know who's giving the money and why they're giving the money. <laughs> we can and guess. And what they're getting in return for their money. <laughs> So I knew about that because I was in and out of the federal press gallery for 30 years. There's another issue there in the background, an important one and a topical one, and that's the issue of Indigenous dispossession. And that comes up in the book too. So, but I'm not trying to make any particular point here. I'm not trying to lecture people on these issues. They're just, they're just there if people want to, you know, people want to take note, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good that you can read books at different levels or how you want to, because sometimes you just want to read a book for entertainment because you want to get away from whatever's happening at work or whatever. And sometimes you do like that extra. So I like a novel that where you can read it however you want. You know, you can delve a bit deeper if you want to, or you can just be entertained if you want to. And I think that was the perfect mix. Yeah, I think that's quite common in crime mm. fiction. Yeah. And I don't, and again, I don't think it's it's uh, my fellow writers trying to sort of be didactic. They're just trying to touch on the issues that are concerning people at the moment. So, <clears throat> in recent years, there's been a number of say post Me Too books yeah. uh, focusing on domestic violence, violence against women, and but other issues like one of the books of the year, I guess, has been Ashley Collegian Blunt's book Dark Mode, which is all about crime yeah, on the, the internet web. and yeah. the dark web and that so which is a great idea for a book but it's also tapping into some of the concerns that we all have about you know what what's happening behind that internet that we're we're using so frequently yeah that's right and what are they gathering from us who are just trying to use it on a day-to-day -day basis it's always yeah. very scary and so you know, I wanted to ask you, and it's a tricky question, but I know we've touched on a little bit about what makes a good crime novel. I mean, you are, you know, a number of novels in, and we've talked about bringing characters back so we have sort of some um, relationship with them. We talked about having them having skin in the game. We talked about a number of parallel stories and then, you know, them sort of coming together in the end. And, you know, what we just spoke about, about having, you know, the ability to have those deeper issues in there as well. What else, if there's anything else, <laughs> makes a really good crime novel? Because you seem to be just killing it out there, Chris. I think um, crime fiction, but I guess you could extend this more broadly to fiction of any type. You've, you've got all the elements that you're trying to bring together into sort of a kind of harmony and balance. So there's the setting, there's the characters, there's the plot. There's the way the story, the story is told. 
uh, the voice, uh, the pacing. And I think if you bring them all together, it can be that the, you know, the sum is greater than the total of the parts. And what I'm re realize I'm I'm trying to do, if you like, is is create a world, kind of cast a spell, invite the readers to set aside their their daily concerns and enter this world. This like kind of that immersive read that's the sort of books i like reading the mm. ones where i sort of get lost in the story in this yeah. other <clears throat> reality my my reality is essentially contemporary australia but you know maybe reimagined a little bit and i think the other element though that if you can put into that mix is uh something that evokes an emotional response in the reader so they're identifying with these characters. Um, hopefully all the characters in my book, Ivan and Nell, what their concerns are, what they're confronting, but also say in the seven, uh, both Davis and Bessie. So you, you have a kind of an intellectual involvement, but you also have an emotional involvement. If you can get, if you get all those things working together, <laughs> you've probably got a pretty compelling story. So pretty easy then, no, just joking. There's a lot of moving parts to go with crime. And I think that's what makes it so enjoyable for, you know, avid crime writers like, you know, probably both of us is because you think, oh, well, you know, why do you keep reading crime? You know, it's a whodunit, you find a who did it, whatever. But every crime novel, as you say, there's something different in it. There's a different way of, you know, introducing those issues. And then there's those characters you love as well. So that's why I think, you know, we're always addicted. It offers so much, and like you said before, it reflects society, you know, it reflects what's going on in our world. And we're all very curious about those things. Yeah, and they, look, they're all on that same shelf in the bookstore, you know, crime and suspense or thriller or mystery, but there are some vastly different Yeah, books. There's everything yeah. from comfy crime to psychological dramas to, um, metafiction mm. or you know to, to horror thrillers as well stories. on the other yeah. end so yeah there's a lot there's a lot of, i think that's what you like as well because there's so much to choose from from this genre it's massive now i do want to talk about the tv adaption for scrublands on stan i believe i watched it and loved it i particularly loved the choice of actors um you know for martin and byron um and Mandy, I just thought that was spot on from what I read. And I just wanted to ask you, what was you know, your involvement in this adaption? What did you think? Did did you did Martin always look like this to you? And can I say, when this first came up and I first watched, it, I was very excited to, as I was watching it, then see your name pop up. I was like, oh, there's Chris's name. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a thrill. It was very um, exciting for me. I can't imagine how exciting yeah, it was for you. <laughs> yeah, based on the novel by yeah. I had. Um, I didn't have much input at all, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, it's a different I, medium, right? It's different medium. Some things work better than others. They've reimagined the story. They've, they've changed the plot significantly in some places, um, possibly for the better, um, maybe not in some instances, but I think the overall reimagination is absolutely terrific. Mm -hmm. They've done it. It's very pacey. It's very compelling. One thing they've done, for example, in the book, it's all pretty much told from Martin Scarsden's point of view. He's a journalist. Yep. He arrives in this town. He begins investigating this crime that happened a year previously. 
uh, uncovers all this stuff and by the end of the book he's resolved everything <clears throat> but what they've done in the series instead of having people telling martin what happened they show what happened so they've got the two timelines in the book by the time martin arrives in town the priest is dead right but they've cast the priest and, and the guy the actor who plays him jay ryan does a brilliant job mm, he does he, you can see the charisma you can see the kind of kindness and generosity in him but you also see this other yeah year, darker side so that's due to his performance but also the direction and, and the screenplay right so they've yeah they've done a terrific job um i don't know I mean, I worked in TV for a long time, but in, um, you know, news and current affairs, I'm not sure I would add that much if I was in the writer's room and I might end up being a, more of a break. You know, I might <laughs> find myself defending my book as, a, as I imagined it. Um, so I'm very happy for them to be doing that. And while I'm, you know, I, I'm, pretty much full-time trying to write my books and I want to get better at the books. I don't want to stretch myself too thin. So it was a wonderful experience for me to, to see the series when it came out. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was. And it was a really good series too. And I love it when Australian drama just comes through and it's a really top quality show. I love that. Yeah. And it's been, um, it's been sold around the world. It's a great company that's doing it, Easy Tiger. Mm -hmm. So it's Stan here, but it's BBC in the UK. Mm -hmm. I think it's Paramount in uh, Germany and Europe. Um, I think the Irish broadcaster, um, Sundance Now, which is a streaming service in the USA. So that's that's great that it's getting out there, you know, finding an audience worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. And I was very engaging and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I just wanted to have a chat about that. I thought how exciting that must have been, um, been for you. And, and really good, you know, Australian crime um, fiction is getting, you know, such a such a wrap on the TV. So that was awesome. Yeah, and hopefully it, it, um, one kind of feeds off the other a bit. Yeah. People see the series, maybe read the books or because they like the books, they'll be interested in the series. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. Now, I always ask this question, just wondering if anything's changed, Chris, you're on how many novels now? I've, this is the seventh. Seven? The, oh, the seven. Yeah. The seven is the seventh? No, the seventh is the sixth. Yeah, it's my eighth <laughs> book or my sixth novel. So okay. it's <laughs> I love that. So why do you keep writing? Uh, I love it. I don't know. It, it's... I just find it very satisfying um, making stuff up. You know what I was saying before about, you know, you're trying to create the world. It is almost like you're trying to cast this spell and you build it up bit by bit incrementally, in my case, over a year, typically, until it's, until it's fully formed. And there's just something massively satisfying about doing that. Mm, I love that. I love that idea of casting a spell because that's exactly why I think we love reading so much because um, it does do that, allows you to sort of escape whatever you need to escape or just be entertained in a way that, you know, only books can do, I think, you know, and I loved the series, like I said, but there's nothing like getting right inside the head of those characters, which film doesn't provide you with. Yeah, film, it's kind of being imagined for yeah. you. Yeah. Whereas with books, there's the, there's the two creative processes 
there's my imagining as I write the book, but then the reader reimagines it. Mm. And it's why you get such vastly different reactions to books. Yeah. <laughs> everyone reads them in a different way. Sometimes, sometimes I hear people talking say about my books and it's almost like, wow, they read the same book. <laughs> Did you read that? Yeah. <laughs> well, as always, Chris, it's always a pleasure to chat to you and I always love it when you have a new book um, that comes out. So I know it's going to be a great read and I know it's all these characters that you know, we've already come to love and know. So thank you for taking the time to have a chat about The Seven and uh, if you haven't seen Scrublands on stand, go see that too. It's amazing. Thanks so much, Jane.